Take your Bibles to Hosea chapter 7. I'll go through the introduction of the message so the rest of you have time to find it. Amen? Yeah? That's good. Hosea chapter 7. It's in the Old Testament, I promise you. It took me a while to find it the other day. If you can't find it, go to the table, the index table, and it'll tell you. Amen? Ah, oh, it's good. Boy, praise the Lord. Folks, I'm looking forward to spring. I, I'm sure it's coming. And uh, good, Lance. I think everybody's just tired of cold weather and tired. It is. Just looking out this morning, we were singing, everything's all right in my father's house. And I got to tell you, if we were to take a poll by the expression on your faces, everything was not all right in our father's house. And so just, we need to get with it. Amen. And don't let the weather drag you down. Don't let what's been going on here in our country. Um, folks, we need a lot of prayer. Good night. The, the bombing in Boston this week, uh, terrifying. It truly is to see those things taking place um, on American soil. And uh, folks, we just need to kind of get things straightened out as far as the Lord's concerned in our lives. And uh, we need to do all we can to pray this country back to God. But Hosea chapter 7. Let's go ahead and stand one last time. We'll stretch our legs a little bit here. Hosea chapter 7, we'll do that, of course, to, in reverence to the Word of God. I want to start with verse number 6 of Hosea chapter 7. And I'll say a little bit about the book of Hosea in a moment. Um, it's, a, it's a hard book. It's a sad book. And uh, Hosea chapter 7, let's begin with verse number 6. It says, For they have made ready their heart like an oven, whilst they lie in wait. Their baker sleepeth all the night, in the morning it burneth as a flame, uh, as a flaming fire. They are all hot as an oven, and have devoured their judges, all their kings are fallen. There is none among them that calleth, calleth upon me. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation hath heard. Woe unto them, for they have fled from me. Destruction unto them. Because they have transgressed against me. Though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. Verse 14. And they have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assemble themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. Though I have bound and strengthened their arms, yet do they imagine mischief against me. They return, but not to the Most High. They are like a deceitful bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the rage of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, and Lord, I ask you for, Lord, just your, your Holy Spirit's presence to come down upon this place. God, I beg you that not a single heart in this room today would, would ignore what your word says. Father, I pray that we would be tender and sensitive, and, and Father, that our hearts would, would melt at, at the preaching of your word today. Father, I pray that if there are some in this room that have never met Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that today they would, they would find him, 
And Lord, they truly accept Christ. I beg you that not a single person here would leave this room today without knowing for sure that heaven's their home. Father, I also beg you for your Christians today. Lord, I pray that we'd, we'd heed the warning that's found here in Hosea chapter 7. And Lord, that we'd, we'd desire in our hearts to be zealous and to be on fire for thee. Father, I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a different Sunday morning message. Um, I won't lie, it's not one I'm terribly excited to preach, but it's one that's been on my heart. I want to speak this morning on the topic of Christianity as a whole. And it is time that we, as individual Christians, heed the warnings that are being given to us. In Hosea, the nation of Israel was receiving a message from Jehovah God. The nation of Israel in Ephraim refers to the ten tribes. Judah would refer to the two tribes, but Ephraim here in Hosea was a, a prophet in Israel, the ten tribes. And he prophesied as that nation, a mighty, once a mighty nation, had been reduced to nothing and would go into complete captivity very shortly thereafter. In fact, most uh, scholars and historians believe that Hosea preached as Israel was literally taken into their final captivity, and in, most, in, in all honesty, never to be heard from again. Many of those, those tribes were, were, were annihilated, they were gone, they were taken, and God still had his remnant among them, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but they, they would be forever taken into captivity, never to be brought back to their land. And Hosea preached during that time. Hosea, if you'll read it, the first three chapters are a, a picture of the entire book. Hosea, in chapter 1, he, he marries a, a woman who is of ill repute. She was, she was a prostitute. He, he marries a woman. Her name is Gomer, all right? And, he, he, and I do wonder if she talked with a southern accent and said, Shazam, you know, I... I crosses my mind. I'm sorry. I grew up watching Andy Griffith. But, but Hosea marries this lady named Gomer, and he loves her, and they have several children together. And, 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 but Gomer goes back to her old way of life. And when she is old, and, and she is broken down, and she is of no desire to anyone, her husband, Hosea, goes and buys her back at the slave market. She had become so unattractive. She had become so just disgusting to the men. They no longer desired her sexually. The only thing she could do was sell herself as a, as a slave to work in a house and, and do menial tasks to keep herself alive. And her husband goes and buys her back and brings her back into, her ho into his home and restores her to his wife. It's a beautiful story. But the book of Hosea is, is chiefly preached from a broken heart. I can only imagine as, as a spouse, as a husband, how my wife, if she were to go and to sell herself to other men, how that would break me and how that would tear me apart. And Jehovah God chose Israel from among all the nations. And he took that little nation and he made them great and mighty and powerful. And yet they sold themselves to false gods and to idolatry, to wickedness, to vulgarity. And they broke his heart. 
And God pushed them away and he allowed them to deal with the ramifications of their decisions. Now one day they will be brought back and one day Israel will be restored completely. Folks, I got to tell you this morning, there are some warnings that are given here in Hosea chapter 7 and I believe that we need to heed those and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. The United States of America is not Israel. We are not God's chosen people. But I will say this, the United States of America did choose Jehovah God. And there are many similarities that can be drawn between Israel and between the United States. Not, not all are valid, and I would not ever try to say that. But I do believe that these warnings, and I, beyond all shadow of a doubt, need to be paid attention to. Folks, if you haven't been paying attention, the last 10, 15 years, God has been sending warning signs to the United States of America. There are things that are happening in our country today that have never happened in the history of our nation. We have been under attack as we've never... I mean, let's face it, folks. The only fighting that took place on American soil was in our war for independence and, and the War of 1812. Other than that, everybody stayed out outside of the Civil War, and that was between us for about 200 years. In the last 10 or 15 years, we have been attacked on our own soil. God is trying to send the United States of America some messages. He's trying to send us some warnings. And he's trying to say, Christians, it's high time to wake up. And I want to say this this morning. Christians of Bible Baptist Church, we must heed the warning from God. And we must see the red flags that he has put up in our lives and in our country. And I want to say this this morning. The world is not the problem. God's people are the problem. It is high time that we stop blaming the liberals. It is high time that we stop blaming Obama and that we look in a mirror and realize that as far as God is concerned, we are the problem. It's God's people that need to get right with God. And, and folks, I'm not saying that we ought to stop fighting for conservative issues and conservative policies. What I am saying, as far as God is concerned, it is not the liberals that are the problem with God. It is the liberal Christians who are walking away from God and justifying that false religion in their hearts. In Hosea, in chapter 7, in verses 6 through 8, we have, we have several illustrations. And I just want to look at those illustrations scripturally and, and try to make some applications. In Hosea, chapter number 7, in verse 6 and 7, he talks about an oven. And he talks about the fact that this oven is, is cooking something, baking something. In verse number 8, it says, Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now let me say this. God's problem with his people, and you'll find this throughout the scriptures, in Revelation chapter 3 and verses 14 through 22, there is a passage of scripture written to the church in Laodicea. That church is accused of being lukewarm. 
And in verses 14 and 15 of that chapter, God says that that lukewarmness of that church disgusts him to the point, he says, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He said, I'll vomit you out. He said, you disgust your type of Christianity, absolutely disgusts me. And today, folks, I want to say this, Christianity as a whole, and I'm not pointing fingers at individuals today, although if God points the finger yet and the Holy Spirit touches your heart, I believe we should respond, and I believe beyond all shadow a doubt there are things in every one of our lives that have become lukewarm but I want to say this God says these, these things disgust me and he says here in Hosea chapter 7 he says that it's like a cake that is not cooked properly he said it's a cake not turned you ladies I, I don't profess to be a chef I don't even profess to be a cook I don't I'm not even good with the microwave but I will say this ladies you 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 make a cake and man you go to the time and you prepare that and you put in all the right ingredients and then you do not properly cook that thing, when that thing comes out and half of it is burnt and the other half is undone, I'm going to tell you this right now, you're not serving that to your guests. And we're lukewarm. In one side of us, we, 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 we adhere to Christianity. But in the other side of us, we adhere to the world. And the Bible says, he says, number one, Hosea says, you're lukewarm people. He says, you're lukewarm because you've mixed yourself with the world. And sadly, when a Christian mixes himself with the world, we become good for nothing. In Matthew in chapter 5, by Jesus himself said, If a salt hath lost its savor, he said, It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. And folks, I want to say this today. Christianity in the United States of America and Bible Baptist Church, I, I, I'm going to tell you this. I can't change the world. I can't change my neighbor. The man I can change stands in my shoes today, and that's the man that I need to focus on because as far as God and I are concerned, I am responsible to God for this man. And today, I don't want us to worry and fret about everything out there. Today, I'd like us to look in the mirror, and I'd like us to look at ourselves and say, God, what in me is lukewarm? What part of my life am I holding back? See, we're lukewarm because we've mixed ourselves with the world. You see, a Christian should be zealous for the things of the Lord. We should be on fire for God. We should be excited for Christ. We should be ready to share the gospel of our Lord and Savior. We should take every opportunity that comes our way. We should be ready to serve. And yet I find so oftentimes, folks, we play a game of Christianity, but in all honesty, Honestly, we deny the power thereof. And today we must understand that we have become lukewarm because we've mixed ourselves with the world. Today I have up here a glass of water. And I, I thank God for it. I like the water. But let me tell you this. This water right now is clean. It's got, it's got some ice in it. And I'm going to tell you this. If I had not already taken a drink out of it, most of you would come up without any issue and take a drink out of my water if you were asked to. You'd have no problem. But if I sit here and I spit into that water, I'm going to tell you something right now. There ain't nobody that's going to touch my water, is there? No, you're not. And I'm going to tell you what has happened. You see, Christianity has taken the holiness and the purity that is God, and then we've taken the spit and the vulgarity of the world, and we've tried to mix the two, and we try to present it to God, and God says, no, no, I don't want any part of that. And my friend, today, it is time that we realize that, that, that we need to set aside the things of the world and we need to, see, to set ourselves apart to God. 
Christianity is trying to unite the pagan world with a holy God. And my friend, I'll tell you this, God has never and God never will associate himself with the ungodliness of this present world. He never did in this book. He never will today. And my friend, in the future, he's not going to change his mind. God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. And he says, I want no sin to taint the things that are holy unto me. And my friend, today, when we bring the sinfulness of the world with us, and I want to say this, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I understand that I am a sinful man. I have a sinful nature. I struggle with things, but I don't for one second want to try to justify my godlessness and try to make it godliness. I am weary of Christianity. Folks, let me say this. God is exceedingly weary of Christianity that is not Christianity at all, but it is paganism mixed with godliness. And folks, God says from that, He will turn away. And today, Christian, may I challenge you and may I beg you to look at your life and say, am I lukewarm because I am mixing myself with the world? Am I not zealous for God because I brought the filth of the world in with me? We need to stop holding on to the garbage that this world brings. Folks, we need to stop holding on to the, 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 the drugs and the alcohol. And by the way, let me say this. We need to stop holding on to the bar crowd. So many times people say, well, well, I'm not going to drink, but I'm going to hold on to them old friends that do. Brother, when you separate yourself unto God, you walk in a different direction than they are walking. And when you walk in a different direction, I'm not a genius, but I'm going to tell you this, you tend to separate. I get my wife up here, and if she walks in that direction, I walk in that direction, brother. After a couple seconds, we're further apart than when we started. And when you separate yourself unto God, and you walk towards God, you will separate yourself from the things of the world and the people that are in the world. Guys, I'm going to tell you this. We need to go away from our pornography, hard or soft. And fellas, this, this, this United States of America, and I love her with all of my heart, and I bleed red, white, and blue, but I'm going to tell you something. Our country, as far as the men are concerned, are hooked on this filthy garbage. And we have just, and I'm talking about good, godly Christian men in here today, that you look the part, and at times you play the part, but in your hearts you're chasing after strange women. This book has a lot to say about a man's heart in pornography. And fellas, I'm going to tell you something today. You get that out of your mind. You get that out of your house. You get that off your TV. You throw the stinking computer away if need be and you get it out of your life. We are holding on to that sin and we're saying, well, well I, 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 I'm not doing anything wrong. Brother, God said Jesus Christ Himself in His own words. The words are in red. I checked. He said if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Jesus said if if you look on that woman and you lust after her, he said it's sin. My brother and I and a couple guys, we were, we were helping somebody out the other day and we were helping clean something out. And right in the bathroom there, there was a stinking picture of a, of a pornography. Heaven help us. My friend, that is not Christianity in any, any way, shape, or form. You say, well, well it, 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 it's just something that, that, that I like to look at. Brother, it is sinful and it is wrong. And guys, we need to get it out of our lives. We need to get rid of it. And let me say this. Those are, we all know those are wrong, don't we? I mean, we, if the pastor, if the preacher walks in your house and he sees that on your wall, you get a little red face, don't you? If he sees the beer in your fridge, you get a little embarrassed. But let's jump to some really nice Christian sins, amen? You know, that enviousness, that bitterness, that, that malice that you hold, that, that, that offense that you've held on to against some other Christian brother or Christian sister for the last five years. 
You know what I'm talking about. You say, well, well, I am a good Christian, but brother, in your heart, you're as vile and wicked as the man sitting at a bar stool at 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning because in your heart, you are harboring ill will against a child of God. And today, we need to stop this nonsense. We need to stop sugarcoating our sin, and we need to call it what it is and say, God, I am sorry. I'll repent before you, and I'll get my heart right. And Christians today, we've got to come to a place in our lives where we stop trying to unite the things of the world with the things of God. Hey, Christian, stop trying to unite the entertainment of the world with the things of God. Do you know how much business the entertainment of the world has in God's house or in a Christian's life? It has no place. And yet today, we'll justify our vileness and we'll justify our wickedness. Say, Well, it's just entertainment. Brother, it's sin. It's wrong. It's wickedness. And we need to get right with the Lord. We have our little social gatherings and we justify the vulgarity that is spoken there. And we justify the alcohol that is consumed. Well, I, I, I don't want to appear too good for them. Brother, you're not too good for them. You are never too good for them. You'll never be too good for them. But you're serving a God that is above all and always will be. And you ought to be more willing to separate yourself to Him than to them. Oh, you're just a goody little two-shoes. No, brother, I'm a Christian. Well, you think you're better than us. No, I don't. I'm a child of God. And I love the Lord more than I love the things of the world. And Christians today, we must come to a place in our lives where we look inside and say, am I lukewarm? Am I lukewarm? Because I'm mixing myself with the world. The second illustration that's found in Hosea is found in verse 9. It says, strangers have devoured his strength, Ephraim's strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth it not. You know, a strange thing happens in life. You know how you used to be able to get out and go? Your get up and go done went and gone amen and, and, and it's kind of entertaining a couple years ago I was looking in the mirror and, and I like to look in the mirror because you know I'm kind of like you know what was what was that the, the, the Fonz you know he'd look in the mirror and hey you know it's here's a here's an interesting tidbit for you how many times did Arthur Fonzarelli comb his hair not one time he just look in the mirror have the comb out and say that's right and in that, guys, we like to pick, you know, we like to preen ourselves in the mirror. We and and, and I, I was looking in the mirror one day, and I was combing my hair, getting it all ready. This takes a little bit of time, amen, about 30 seconds. And, and, and I'm combing my hair, and I looked, and I thought, that's not brown or blonde. That's one that don't have no color. And I thought, and I went out, and I, and I, I said, Debbie, I said, what is that? She said, that's gray hair. Well, get right with God, woman. It's her fault. She gave it to me. Amen. That's not true. But I said, is that the first one? No. Huh. Well, what do you know? I had gray hair and I didn't even know it. You know, this sports season, the NBA playoffs have started and every year there'll be a team that's got a lot of talent. And they'll talk about, you know, this team's so good they can just flip the switch and they'll win. Can I tell you what happens, though? 
After a while of you just kind of getting used to flipping that switch, you, know, you guys you know, used to be able to get out, get up and hardly sleep. You get up, go to work for a whole day, go out and have a good time, go to bed, get up, do the same thing. It don't work that way anymore. And what happens is you, you flip that switch and you say, well, I'm fine. And then you find all of a sudden, nah, I don't have the power I used to have. And Christian, I want to say this. Secondly, I want you to look inside and see if you're lukewarm and see if you have no power with God and don't even realize it. You see, once upon a time, your Christian life had some power to it. Hey, you got born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been redeemed and you've been justified and praise God for it. You're his child. Man, you used to have a prayer life. You used to have a walk with God. You'd read your Bible. You used to be faithful at church. You used to be dynamically in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. But just because you were close to God at one time doesn't mean you are now. You see, once upon a time, you used to be able to get answers to prayer. Once upon a time, God did speak to you through his word. Once upon a time, you looked forward to coming to church. Once upon a time, you reveled in the things of God. And I'm going to tell you, say, oh, I can flip that switch anytime. No, 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 let me tell you what happened. You got some gray hairs and you don't even know it. You've aged and you don't even realize it. You see, there's a story in 2 Samuel about a, about a great king by the name of David. And David was a great man and he was a mighty conqueror and he was a warrior king. David was a man that when he looked out amongst his men and he said, you do this, and they were manly men, they were strong men, they were mighty men. When they saw David say it, they said, yes, sir, whatever you want, king, we will do anything. We will die for you. We love you that much and respect you. And I'm going to tell you, you don't get that by just being a pretty boy and by sitting at home and doing nothing. David was a warrior. But there came a time in 2 Samuel in chapter 15, the Bible says, when kings went out to war, and may I say Say to you this, David was not at war, David was at home, and David fell into gross, ungodly, wicked sin, and I'm going to tell you why. David said, I can flip the switch at any time. Hey, I got power with God. Hey, I can go to my Bible and get a message. Hey, I can, I can go to God and get answers to prayer any time I want it. I used to. I used to. Man, I used to be close. I can flip that switch. But David, you can't. David, you can't. You're lukewarm. David, it's time of year when kings go out to battle, and David, you're at home. Oh, I, I know you. Oh, hey, you, you don't understand me. I used to teach a Sunday school class. I used to bring people to church in my car. I used to drive a bus. I used to, and folks, that's good, and praise the Lord for the things you used to do. But I'm asking you today, are you lukewarm, and do you have power with God, or have you lost it and don't even know it? There's another story that fits this text more properly. And it's found in the book of Judges. I believe it's chapters 14, 15, and 16. The man's name was Samson. Samson was a mighty man. Strongest man mentioned in the Bible. His feats are legendary. Almost unbelievable. I believe it because God said it in his word. But the things he did... He tore a lion apart with his bare hands. He didn't kill a lion. He tore a lion apart. That's, that's impressive. He, he, he killed Philistines just for fun. I mean, the man, he took the, and he did it with the jawbone of a donkey. Samson didn't need a sword or a spear or a shield. He said, come here, boys, and I'll slay you with the jawbone of a donkey. That's impressive. 
Samson was a gifted man. He was a strong man. He was a mighty man. But the day came where Samson got involved with a little prostitute by the name of Delilah. And Delilah, she, she wooed him and she, she, she took care of him and, and, and she met all of his physical godless needs. And, and, and all of a sudden, he gave her the secret of his strength. God had told Samson's parents when he was a boy, do not shave his head, don't cut it, leave his hair alone. And that boy will have strength and power from on God. And he did. Man, the Spirit of God fell mightily on that man. But he shared his heart with that wicked godless woman. And she had the Philistines, of course, she'd been in their back pocket the whole time. And she had the Philistines come in. And by the way, she, she, she'd already tried to do this a number of times. Samson, was, he was dumb like any man is dumb when it comes to women. You say, Pastor, it's true. You get a man chasing a woman, you might as well just shoot him between the eyes because he can't see nothing else. Did I say too much that offensive? I hope I am. But folks, you know, he gave her what God had gave him. She had the Philistines come in, and they, they cut his hair. They shaved his head. The sad thing is, in Judges chapter 16 and verse 20, you see, Samson had just been one of them guys. He just said, I'll just get up and tear you apart. And he had. He'd done it multiple times. There was a time when his people had bound his hands behind his back and they turned him over to the Philistines. And Samson, the Philistines were rejoicing. And Samson said, you don't know what's coming. And they didn't. He killed them. And there were times here with Delilah. And she, she, they, they, had, they would bind him and they would do what he had told Delilah to do. He was playing a game. And the Philistines would, would break in upon him and he'd just wake up and he'd cast those bonds asunder and say, here you go. Have a piece of this. He just thought he could turn it on. In Judges 16 and verse 20, the Bible says he, he didn't know that the power of God had departed from him. He said he wist not. He didn't even realize it. He got up as in times of old and he said, hey, hey, this is no problem. I've been there. I've done that. I'm a great man. I'm a strong man. I'm a mighty man. And brother, I'm going to tell you something. Samson was lukewarm. Samson was lukewarm because he didn't even realize that he had grown old. He didn't even realize that he had lost the power of God upon his life. And folks, today, I hope you grasp what I'm saying. I'm not preaching against old age. What I'm preaching against is you losing the power of God upon your life. There's another story in the Bible about a man by the name of Moses. And Moses in Deuteronomy in chapter 34, right as he's Going to be with the Lord. The Bible says, and it's beautiful, in Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse number 7, it says that when Moses died, that his strength was not abated and his eyesight was not dim. At 120 years of age, that's an old man, amen? At 120 years of age, Moses was as commanding a presence as he had been when he was 40 years old, as he had been when he was 80 years old, as he'd been at any time in his life. When Moses stood up in front of the people, he did it with the power of God on his life. And folks, today I want to tell you this. Some of you have served in this church faithfully. You've done some wonderful things for God. You've, you, you've, you've seen this church built. You've seen God give the increase and praise the Lord for it. But I want to ask you this morning, it's time to look in the mirror and ask yourself, do I still have the power of God upon my life? Or have I lost it and don't even realize it?
There's a lot of pastors who this happens to. Preaching is an art. A man can learn to be a good preacher. And I know some of you say, when are you going to, you know. But a man can learn to be a good speaker. A man can learn how to play a role. Folks, I'm going to tell you this. If I look in the mirror one day and the power of God has departed from my life, it doesn't matter how good I can spin a yarn. It doesn't matter if I can make you laugh. I've lost the power of God on my life. And my friend this morning, you say, oh, pastor, you need the power of God. Christian, you need the power of God. Got too many Christians sitting back and, and sitting on the sidelines and say, well, well, he'll take care of that or she'll do that. No, no, my friend. You need to look in the mirror today and say, do I have the power of God on my life? As much as I had it when I was a young Christian. H.A. Ironsides, a famous preacher of the past, he said, if you at any time in your life were more right with God than you are today, he said, you're not right with God. And I'd ask you the same question. Do you have as much power of God on your life as today as you've had at any time in your life? Are you close to God as close as you've ever been? Or have you said, I can, I can flip the switch. I can, I, I, I'm fine. Brother, maybe you need to look in the mirror today and see if there's some gray hairs. Where'd that come from? I didn't know that was there. What happened? Hey, you still reading your Bible with the same fervency that you once did? Are you still praying to God in the manner that you first did when you learned that God answers your prayer and He did? Do you still get excited to come hear the preaching of the Word of God? Or have you grown old and don't even realize it? You know, Jamie and Sarah getting married next week. It's a wonderful thing. And I love young engaged couples, young married couples. All that exists is that other person. You know, but after a while, you have children. And children demand a lot of time, amen? And what has a tendency to happen in your marriage is that you focus on your kids rather than on your spouse. You need to be very careful of that. And by the way, I'm going to say this, Christian, you, 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 when you first got saved, you were just dumb enough to think that God was everything in your life. But after a while, you learned there were some things you could do, and you kind of took the focus off of Christ. What has a tendency to happen is when the kids are grown and gone, that wife looks across the room at that man, and she says, who are you? I used to know you. And once upon a time, that was everything to her, and he was every, or she was everything to him. But along the way, you got distracted. And Christians, I think there's a lot of us today who along the way, let's face it, we got a little distracted. And we need to bring the focus back to the Lord. Thirdly, this morning, he says in verse 11, Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. He says, you're like a silly dove without heart. As I read this, I think I understand what Hosea was saying. He said, you have no understanding. Because in the verses that follow this, in the words that follow this, 
He says you go to Egypt and Assyria rather than to Jehovah God. You see, this morning, instead of going to God for help, we're going to the world for help. Having a hard time in my marriage. Brother, I'm going to tell you this. A worldly counselor isn't going to help you. Hey, I'm I'm having a hard time raising my kids. A worldly counselor isn't going to help you. Hey, I'm depressed. The world isn't going to help you. Hey, I'm defeated. The world's not going to help you. We're running to the world for our help. And that's exactly what Israel, that's what Ephraim was doing. These ten tribes had said, hey, our our nation's being destroyed. We're falling apart. Things are terrible. Where are we going to go? Are we going to, hey, America, are we going to trust in the economic plan of the Republicans or the Democrats? Are we going to trust in in the social programs of the liberals or the conservatives? Are we going to trust in what the world has? That's what fires many of us up. No, we need to run to God. We need to run to God. We need to run to Jehovah God. And folks, today, Christianity, hey, we're like a silly dove that that just runs into the the traps of the world. And as you read that, you'll see this silly bird without heart. It's just aimless, and it's just running and looking for some way out. And my friend, as a born-again child of God, we know where help comes from. Yet we're not running there. Instead of crying out to God and getting our face in the book, we are crying out for help on Facebook. Amen? We have become a people who run to Satan and to the world for, un- for advice on how to live. And may I tell you this? They don't have a clue. Oh, hey, 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 school system that doesn't want God, tell me how to raise my children. Seriously? Hey, counselor, who doesn't believe in God at all, tell me how to live. The man's a fool by God's own mouth. And my friend, today, the world is going to lead you down a wrong path. The world is going to tell you that the principles of this book are ridiculous. They're going to to say that you are living like you're old-fashioned. Oh, you're just out of touch. Folks, I'm going to tell you this. Let me just jump on a hobby horse. I am so sick and tired of what our world says about sexuality. I am disgusted by it. I am appalled by it. Do you know that statistically the best marriages that are out there are formed when neither member, man and woman, has committed any type of fornication before they come together? That's statistically You know, isn't that amazing how old-fashioned that thought is? And yet statistically, by the world's own admission, that builds the healthiest, strongest marriages. And our world says, oh, that's old-fashioned, brother. It works. It's what's right. And we say, oh, well, you know, kids are just experimenting. They're idiots, man. Don't let them experiment. They're going to defile themselves. They're going to go into fornication. They're going to sin against their own body. And we say, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Man, call it sin. Call it vile. Call it wicked. You say, well, well, you just everybody else is doing it. Brother, I don't care if everybody's jumping off the bridge. Remember your mother saying that? Doesn't mean you have to. And our young people don't have to go to the bridge of this world and say, well, hey, look at, look at, everybody else is having immoral, immoral relationships. Let's just jump right in. Don't you understand what you're doing? Man, you're 
You're bringing problems into your life. You're bringing baggage into your marriage one day. You are causing yourself heartache, and yet you stand there and say, well, well, everybody else is doing it. You go into the world for your advice. Brother, I don't care what Dr. Phil says. Dr. Phil is not a born-again Christian, and Dr. Phil is not going to help you. Well, well I, I, I really listen religiously to Oprah. Well, good for you. Brother, what we need to do is we need to come back to the book and we need to come back to where the book is preached and we need to get in and we need to get on board and we say, hey, God, help me fix my marriage. Hey, God, help me raise my kids. Hey, God, help me to be a good employee. Hey, God, help me to be a good employer. God, help me to be the Christian I ought to be because, brother, this is where the answer's at. Yeah, you know where we're running to? The world. You know, it's sad to me. There are churches in this area. And I'd like to really say some things here, and I'll be gracious. Because it's Sunday morning, and I have to be. But there are churches where that book is not even open. They give you a sheet of paper. And you open your little sheet of paper. And there is the Word of God for today. And you read it back to them. Folks, I'm sorry, that's, that's foolishness. There are churches in this area that instead of preaching out of this book, they preach out of a book that is written by a man that is about this book. In chapter 1, unless it's got one of the guy's names in this book, that's a church not worth attending. Because folks, let me say this to you. If God ever gives me the time, the patience, and the brains to write a book, I'll sell it to you. And I'll take every dollar you can give me. But may I tell you this? That is my opinion, and those are my thoughts about the Word of God. I'm saying I think most of them will be good thoughts. I'm saying most of those would be good opinions. I really believe that. May I tell you this, though? I am as human and fleshly as the next guy. And guess who is fallible? Ding, ding, ding. Right here, boys and girls, this man can be wrong. And when people are saying, well, don't bring your Bibles today. We're just going to get a book about, about healing from brother so-and-so, and we'll study out of his book, and he includes some verses in there from time to time. Brother, that is foolishness, and that is what we go, got going on in our world today. We have ignored the Word of God, and we are taking the Word of man in its place, and heaven help us, that is going to cause problems in our life. And we say, well, I just, why, why? I can just see Israel back then. Israel's looking up and saying, why is this happening? Why does God hate us? Why is he out to get us? Because you went to Egypt for help. You went to Assyria for advice. God doesn't hate you. God's not against you. You're his children. He loves you. He desires you to go to him. And my friend this morning, would we grasp the importance of that? The world will mock the separated Christian. They will laugh at our standards. In fact, sadly, today many so-called Christians are doing that to those who are trying to live a holy life. And the problem is, is we are running to them for our examples and for our, their advice. Christian, 
Are you lukewarm today because you're going to the world for your counsel? Instead of going to the book and to an old-fashioned church where an old-fashioned book is preached. You see, the warning is you're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. He said, Ephraim, you're a cake that's not turned. He said, you're lukewarm. He said, you're lukewarm, number one, because you're mixing yourself with the world. Christian, are you trying to pull the things of the world in with the things of God? He said, number two, you're lukewarm because you've grown old. You've lost your strength. You got some gray hairs. And you don't even realize it. He said, thirdly, you're lukewarm because you have no understanding of God and God's word and desire none. Folks, we live in a generation where this book is read, but very little is comprehended. And so we run to the world and say, tell me, tell me, tell me. No, you go back to God. And you say, God, I need your help. I need your help. And I got to have you. Because without you, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible to him that believeth. And my friend this morning, could I just ask you to look in the mirror and just say, hey, <laughs> am I lukewarm? Am I lukewarm? Are there some things in my life that I've let go? Folks, none of us like to do that. I, I, I'd be the first to confess it. I, I, I don't like looking in the mirror and picking out my problems. I like looking in the mirror and bragging on me. But I got to tell you, we got to heed the warning. Folks, God's sending them to us like you wouldn't believe. If you, if, you don't, if you don't think that bombing wasn't a warning to God's people to wake up, you're not paying attention. God's saying, hey, America, Christians, wake up. I love you. Turn to me. Don't invoke me in some prayer and then forget about me as you walk out the doors of the church. Turn to me. And Christians, we're not talking about the world today. We're talking about us. Just challenge you with those thoughts today. Hey, Hosea, you got a broken heart, don't you? Yeah, my wife is playing the role of a harlot. I wonder if God today were to be asked the same question. God, how you doing today? Broken heart? Yeah. My people are playing the role of a harlot. Oh, they worship me, but not in truth. They speak my name, but not in sincerity. They're lukewarm. And folks today, I just pray that God's challenge you. All right, let's go and stand to our feet.
Christians today, could we in our hearts just be honest with ourselves? Stop letting our hearts lie to us. Stop letting, stop letting the things go, oh, you're not that bad. Brother, I, I'm, not, I'm not comparing myself with the world. I'm comparing myself with God. I got problems. I'd best address them. My friend today, if the Lord's laid something in your heart, I'd encourage you to come to the altar. And my friend, if you're in here today and you've not been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, man, please don't leave today. Become one of the children of God. Become part of his family. The only way is through Christ. And if you today are without Christ, during the invitation, please get my attention. Or after the service, get my attention. I'll have someone show you from God's word how you can be born again. But Christian friend, can I just ask us, are we lukewarm? Are we lukewarm? Are we mixing ourselves with the world? Are, are, are we playing games with God today? Have we lost power and don't even know it? My friend, today, if God's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. How about it, my friend? Folks, I hope those are some sobering thoughts, and I pray that you'll take some time and look at that chapter, look at those illustrations that biblically are given. Let the Lord work on you. I believe that he'll show you some things in your life. God showed me some things in mine, some things I had to confess, some things I had to get straightened out. And I, can I tell you, I wasn't in gross sin. I was in sin. It's the same thing as far as God's concerned. In man's eyes, I was okay. In God's, not so much. My friend tonight, I, this morning, I just challenge you. Kind of tried to get you in shape for Old Fashioned Sunday. If I'm not mistaken, this is about how long Pastor Bodie used to preach on a short day. And uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'll keep her on time next week. But I did want to also let you know we are going to have a baptism next Sunday morning. And if you'd like to be scripturally baptized, um, we will we can.